when we take the time to talk to one another, we often find connections that lead to a better understanding of our communities, our state, our nation, and ourselves. Greetings and welcome to the Lone Star Deep Dive, a podcast that plunges into the intersection of passion, personality, and public policy with in-depth conversations exploring issues that are sometimes behind the scenes and often controversial, but always of interest to those who live and work in our region. The Lone Star Deep Dive is produced in partnership with the League of Women Voters of Amarillo, and it's guided by the League's nonpartisan advocacy for democracy in the Texas panhandle since 1950. And now, let's take a dive. Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to the Lone Star Deep Dive. I'm Tanya Kleskins. I'm your host for today's show, and we're going to be talking with Jenny Inzarello and Michelle Hoggett, uh, co-presidents for the Amarillo League of Women Voters. Today, our subject is going to be getting out the vote in Amarillo during this election year, um, what it involves, what the League of Women Voters does to help guide the voters in the registration process, uh, information from the candidates, and and many other resources. I have been um, using the League of Women Voters Voter Guide since uh, 1982. Guess I just revealed how long I've been voting, and that wasn't my first election, but I remember being so dedicated to the League of Women Voters Voters Guide because they provided clear information with very well thought out questions that the voter uh, needs answered from our candidates. And so with that, I'd like for Jenny and Michelle to tell you a little bit more about what they have in mind. But first, let's talk about uh, them and what has brought them to the League of Women Voters. Let's start with Michelle. Would you please tell us uh, a little bit about your background, why you became interested in the League of Women Voters? This is Michelle Hoggett. I was born and raised, grew up in Amarillo. I became interested in politics when I was in high school because that was the age of Watergate. Uh, My first election, presidential election, was 1976, where I voted for Jimmy Carter. As I got involved with uh, working and having a child, I became less involved in politics, although I always voted. But when I retired from teaching in 2019, I was looking for volunteer work. I ended up getting my volunteer deputy registrar certificate in 2020, but I wasn't finding many opportunities to register voters. So I joined the league and in the league, I found lots of opportunities for uh, different kinds of volunteering, but a lot of uh, possibilities for being able to register voters. And I got more and more involved from there doing the league's social media, and now I'm co-president. Jenny, what got you interested in the league? Tell us a little bit about your background uh, to go along with that, please. 
Well, first, I just want to say thank you for having us on your new podcast. We're so thrilled that the league is going to be uh, sharing some information with people all across the high plains and uh, all across Texas talking about different issues. So this is exciting. Um, well, co-presidency, uh, Michelle and I both got kind of roped in at the end of an incredible tenure by someone here who was really running things really well at this organization. And she wanted to step down, take some time off after four years. And uh, it's a it's a big gig. I mean, Michelle would agree. Uh, we were kind of thinking, oh, there's so many people on the board. Everybody takes care of everything. It wouldn't be that hard to, to wrangle. And it's completely true. The people on the board are just so great. Uh, but geez, Michelle, I think that we can both wink at each other. It's a lot to wrangle. Uh, this is an incredible organization that goes back to 1950. The league itself started in 1920. Um, but we've got, we've got a tall order here in the Texas Panhandle, given that there's kind of a bit of a low voter turnout. So getting people together and trying to get them to get involved in politics, run, uh, get engaged in the elections, um, it's not that easy. Uh, so when we decided to become co-presidents, uh, I think when we talked, when we first met, we both agreed, we find this to be something that's one of the most important things uh, to address about the region where we live. So I came to this work because someone that I knew and respected um, was doing the work wanted to take some time off and another person I knew and respected asked if I could help out and uh, unlike Michelle I do have a full-time job so I got a lot of evenings and weekends and sneaking away and working on lunch breaks and stuff um, but between the two of us uh, it's just been absolutely so rewarding to get to know the public servants and volunteers in this town that help make sure that voters and citizens are informed who's running what are the issues Issues. What is it going to look like, um, you know, before the primary, before the actual election, and also getting some people that help out. I mean, this is there's not a lot of people that work in the elections um, administrations in the two different counties where Amarillo is. So they do need helpers. They do need people who are volunteers. Um, though technically, I think you get a little stipend paycheck when you work the uh, as a voting judge. Um, but really, just invigorating people uh, that kind of don't really turn out like we hope that they will uh, this year for 2024, a big election year. So I, unlike Michelle, didn't really, I, I know I voted when I was 18. I don't remember being super engaged and informed. Uh, I think that, you know, 1993, 94, which was my year to be turning 18, we didn't read the news. We didn't really pay that much attention. Young people didn't really uh, generally get that involved. Um, now that you've got phone, we got little computers in our pockets. I feel like most people are aware of things that at the age, you know, when I was able to start voting, it's a different ball game as far as information and saturation. And the league does an incredible job, like you said, of cutting through the noise and showing you who's running, what are the issues, what do I personally care about, take your little cheat sheet voters guide right into the voters booth, you know, and well, I don't think you can take it in. Well, can you take it in? You can take it in. You can take it in. Uh, I was going to say, do I sneak mine in? Because I definitely take mine in. Um, so I just thought it was an incredible organization that makes education um, and awareness available to people, which is an encouraging uh, factor in getting them to the polls. Thank you, Jenny. As was mentioned in our intro for this podcast, the League of Women Voters is a nonpartisan organization. Um, but I, I really would, would like to just share with everyone um, that that is a true commitment uh, to being nonpartisan. It is a commitment made to the issues and to educating voters on the policies 
and the issues that those candidates will be facing once they're in office. And that's really um, what guides um, our social network is those policies that we have all agreed on collectively. So, you know, with with that knowledge, well, I, I would like to say one more thing um, about the league is that I have participated in many studies over the years in the way that the league both nationally, state, and locally makes decision is by studying issues in depth for at least a year and sometimes much longer and then what they're going to support in public policy is made uh, by a consensus vote for all of those that are participating. So this is not taken lightly, and it is uh, studied in depth with every person and, and every angle that is known to look at around that subject. Um, though that's a, a broad issue for the league, but and this year we are facing several elections, and the league is going to uh, guide us through that. So, Jenny, uh, what would you like to see happen this year? What are some goals that the local league for Amarillo has set for this election year? Well, um, I know that Michelle could speak to some of these as well, but the ones that I'm most excited about, and Michelle can fill in the different different ones, um, the issues that we're looking at right now, maternal mortality. There has been a project that's been going on for years. This predates um, our tenure as the co-presidents. Um, working with public health, we've got people that have a committee that are working on that. And this is something, and I'll pass it to Michelle after this, but the thing that she and I have both been really thrilled about is this initiative called Civics 101, and it's a way to inform people that live here in our area in Amarillo, how does this system work? Um, it's very possible that a lot of people don't engage because they just don't know where to start. So Civics 101 has been this uh, initiative to get people informed about who are the stakeholders, how does it work, and how can you as a citizen get involved and encourage others to get involved. And a little side piece of that is this wonderful high school program um, that has been started through the voter registration group. And I know, Michelle, you as a high school teacher, as a, as a educator, uh, middle school educator, um, you have a lot of feelings about getting kids involved in voting at a young age. Michelle, would you please tell us about that? Certainly. I've been lucky enough to be able to be part of the high school voter registration team, and I'm very proud that the league goes to every public high school in Potter and Randall counties. We go in the spring and in the fall to register every eligible voter as soon as they turn 18. We're getting them registered. Uh, we also have partnered with uh, some of the schools in AISD, and we provide them with a flyer and a voter registration card that goes either goes into their diplomas or each the students are given this on their 18th birthday. We're also working to get the younger people involved. So we do talk to them about issues that might be of interest to them, such as uh, minimum wage, college tuition, uh, military service, and so on. Uh, we talk to them about how they can contact their legislators and the systems in place in legislative offices to log those responses because I hear too many times people say, well, they don't care. But I know from experience, anytime you call or write a legislator, someone in that staff is making a note of it. And so if you write or call often enough, get your friends to call or write, they are going to pay attention and they will respond. 
Yes. Well, we've just talked about um, Civics 101 and that program and um, registering young people in high school uh, with uh, voter opportunities. So what else do does a voter need to know? What kind of resources uh, does the league provide for voters so that they'll know how, how to register, where to vote, um, and just how to be involved in the process. The League has two main ways of educating voters during an election season. A lot of people are familiar with our paper voters' guides. Uh, Our voters' guides currently come out in two ways. They're printed in the Globe News, and we have them in separate printed form that we distribute to many, many places, churches, coffee shops, grocery stores, all the libraries. A lot of public offices will have them. This year, we will for the primaries, we will print 14,000 voters' guides. Uh, 2,000 of those will be in Spanish. We also have a website, which is Vote411, and that's the numbers, 411.org. Uh, when people go there, they can put in their address, uh, and then it will show up. It will show you a sample ballot with every person or proposition or whatever that you can vote on. It will also show you all the candidates and their answers to the questions. And this year we have something new. We have some questions that were, are just going to be, um, the answers are just going to be on the vote for one one. Uh, because we're limited in the print as to length of answer, but on vote, vote 411, candidates can answer it more at length. Also on Vote 411, you can find out where your polling locations are, what the hours are for the location. If someone has moved, they can find out on that website what they need to do. In Texas, you must register to vote at least 30 days before the election, so it can help you with uh, whatever else you need to do. If you've moved to another state, you can find that because the website is national. So it'll give information on every state and their voting regulations. Uh, The answers are exactly as the candidates write them. We do not change. We don't edit. If they have a misspelled word, then that's what they have. Uh, The questions are Uh, carefully considered. We start with a large bank and gradually the local board works through those. We rewrite, we eliminate some until it gets down to the three or four questions that we feel will give the voters the best information they need. Uh, Voters also have an opportunity on Vote 411 to put in names into a sample ballot and then they can print that ballot and take it with them to the voting location. Although they can also take the printed voter's guide. Or you can take a note, a piece of paper with the names. You cannot take an electronic device in, but you can take any paper you want. But our goal is to help voters have as much information as possible so that their vote is the best choice for them. And, you know, it's funny because the Vote 411, I kind of think of the Voter's Guide, uh, Tanya, as the Greatest Hits album. And then you've got the the extended director's cuts, the deep cuts, 
uh, and all the uh, director's cuts on the vote 411. But what's great is that, you know, the distribution that we have uh, across the entire region, it's its in so many places. You'll, you can find it at libraries. You can find it uh, in coffee shops. You can find it on campuses. Um, and then when you go to Vote 411, you can get an even deeper dive. If, if, say, you read about these candidates, and let's be real, some of the answers are a little cryptic. Sometimes you have to kind of unpack what they're saying. And like Michelle said, it is absolutely as they submit their answer. We don't edit. We change nothing. It is exactly what they submitted. So if you're a little confounded, head to vote 411, get a little more information. There's going to be a lot more uh, answers from uh, different questions, different representations. So you get a little bit more well-rounded understanding. Um, but in addition to that, what one of my favorite things and the thing I'm most excited about coming up very soon, uh, the candidate forums. This is like a live, uh, you know, ready for prime time where everyone gets together and you've got a mediator, you've got more questions coming in and audiences can submit questions um, at the candidate forums. We are also hoping, fingers crossed, to have this thing live streamed. So if you're not able to physically get out and go into, you know, an auditorium where there's going to be you know, human warm bodies, a lot of people, we know there are still people with, you know, concerns about being in tight spaces, totally understandable, that live stream will make it so that you can be there, you can witness, you can see the person answer, get a little understanding of who they are, how they represent themselves. And to me that we we're in an area where sometimes that does make a very big difference. Who is this person? What are they like? Do I feel like I can I can trust them and how they speak? Um, but yeah, that's that's one of the things that that I think is the most recognizable thing about League of Women Voters nationally are those voters guides and those nonpartisan uh, candidate forums, nonpartisan voters guide, nonpartisan candidate forums. And what an incredible way to have some kind of a, you know, touchstone for the people that are running for office. The voters guide looks a bit like a newspaper and is is folded in half. Usually, is it still folded in half when you pick it up? Yes, it is. So um, when when you're looking for that online, would you look uh, for the state League of Women Voters or can you find that link in the Vote 411? Vote411.org is very, very, very user friendly. If you go to that, everything right there. And you can also check to see, am I registered? I mean, I always, you know, before elections, like to check in to make sure there hasn't been any kind of clerical error, something got moved. Um, I've got a weird last name, so usually there's not a different person. But if you have a common last name, just go in and check it. Uh, Vote 411 is kind of a catch-all um, in my understanding that, you know, when I go on there, it's pretty darn user-friendly. And I love the way that they've got it set up. Um, so I've already gone on there and poked around and looked at some of the answers that we have for the upcoming voter's guide for the um, primary here in the uh, Amarillo area. Great. If there, if someone uh, is not sure if they're registered to vote or they discovered that they are not and would like to be, um, Michelle, what can an um, individual do to get registered to vote? First off, if someone has registered, and but they're not sure if they're still registered, they can go to votetexas.gov, and there are several different ways they can check, but it will show if they have a current voter registration, and it will show what county they're registered in, because they cannot vote in a different county. If they are not registered, or if they need to update an address or a name, People have until February 5th to get that done. And you have some options. Uh, 
people can go to the Secretary of State's website and print a voter registration form. They then will need to fill that out, and then they have to physically mail it in. Or they can go to their county election administration office and register there. The form is very short. It takes less than five minutes to register. Um, or they can watch for league events. We go to lots of different community events. We've been at parents' nights at schools. We've been at, uh, we were at the Pride Picnic. We were at Juneteenth. We go to uh, anywhere people want us to be. We are usually at the public libraries on the last day to register if somebody waits until the last second. Um, but there are lots of ways to get registered. But in Texas, if you're not registered at least 30 days before, then you're not going to be able to vote. And for the primary, just anybody listening, that's the 5th of February. And uh, gosh, we're hoping this podcast comes out before that. So if you're listening, 5th of February is the uh, cutoff if you want to vote in the primary. What would be the uh, cutoff if you miss the primary and would like to vote in the general election in November? If someone does not get registered to vote in time for the primaries, they can still register up until October 7th to vote in the general election. However, primaries are incredibly important, especially in, this, uh, in our local races. We have some races locally where there are not candidates from both parties, so the winner of that race will literally be chosen in the primaries. Their name will be on the ballot in the general election, but they will win that election. So for those who want to have a say in who is elected, they really need to get out and vote in the primaries because that's where a lot of the decisions will be made. And it looks like early voting for the primaries is starting on the 20th of February. So, um, you know, registration by the 5th, make sure you're there. And then the early voting starts on the 20th. The actual election is on the 5th of March. Thank you, Jenny. And thank you, Michelle. Um, you know, I often hear people say that they feel um, like there is no point in voting, that their vote doesn't really count. Um, I would say they feel disenfranchised as a voter. Um, I believe you brought with you some statistics on how many people have voted in our area. Michelle, would you like to answer this question? Sure. All right. My numbers are from the 2020 primaries. I picked that because it was also a presidential election year. So for Potter County, in the Republican primary, 16% of registered voters came out. In the Democratic primaries, only 6% came out. In Randall County, 25% voted in the Republican primary, and only 5% voted in the Democratic primary. So as you can see, Tanya, that's not that's not a lot. And that's of registered voters, I believe. So that's we need to we need to really do something about invigorating people. And a lot of the issue there is I agree with you. I've heard the same thing. Michelle's heard the same thing. Why would I vote? I don't really like the options. We do not have enough people running right now. There are reasons for that. We all know to run a campaign, you got to have money. Um, there have been candidates in this area in the last like, you know, eight years that have done absolutely no money 
you know, runs. Hayden Pettigo ran. He didn't take a red cent from anyone. He came in second for that city council seat. Um, there have been people that have been able to find ways to do it for lower costs, but ultimately, when it comes down to politics, you got to have some cash. You have to have donors. Um, and sometimes that does scare away some of the people who maybe don't feel that they could get that together in time. So we do see a lot of people that run in this area um, that do have means and have support by people with means. And of course, you've got the mayor and city council you know, races. They don't take a salary. They don't have any salary for that. I think they get like $10 per meeting or something. So that's not super attractive if you work full time and you're busy. Um, how is it that you can, you know, would want to get involved in that? So there are some reasons why people, you know, feel like there's no point to voting. I don't really see any representation here. In addition to the fact that, you know, that for the for the Amarillo area, it's an at-large, uh, so everyone's representing the the city at large as opposed to my neighborhood is getting represented. But this is a big election year. This is the state elections. This is the you know uh, municipal elections. This is the presidential elections. We usually see more energy around those types of elections. So the league right now is really leaning in on trying to get a lot of people registered. The get-out-the-vote efforts are going to really kick into high gear this year. Um, and everyone on the board right now is very excited to see what we can do as far as bumping those numbers up, as is the league in general nationally. If Say um, I'm coming to you and just in telling you that, that I don't see the point in voting. Um, what could you say to encourage me? What would be a good reason that I would uh, want to go and vote? Well, I want to quote uh, Susan B. Anthony. This is a, a quote that uh, Michelle pulled for our last um, newsletter that we have. If you haven't uh, been aware, we have a newsletter. It's open to everyone. You can sign up at alwv.clubexpress.com. Really great way to find out what's going on. There's a calendar there. There are links if you wanted to volunteer, things that we're asking for. Um, but I love that we've been we've been adding in quotes, the inspirational quotes. And Someone struggled for your right to vote. Use it. That's a quote from Susan B. Anthony that Michelle pulled. And it wasn't that long ago that women didn't have the right to vote. And if you do a little bit of a history on that, um, it's pretty stark uh, what women went through, what people generally in this country went through to get their right to vote. Um, and I just can't fathom squandering that. I think that even if you look at the options and you're like, I don't love any of these candidates, the fact that you go out and pick one shows that in the event that we have, you know, a government that is by the people for the people, if you're not involved, if you're not using your voice, that's not representative. That's the small handful of people coming out voting for who they want. And then people are like, well, I don't really agree with this person. The more people get involved, the more people will run, the more representative that it will be. And right now, we are in a bit of a dip, but I do feel that there is energy behind it. But I'd love, I'd love for Michelle to answer, what about that quote um, made you want to include that in this, in this you know, last episode that we had of the voter, um, just to get people, you know, get people invigorated to get behind this? Well, I was not only thinking about women getting the vote, but with... Martin Luther King Jr. Day coming. I was thinking about uh, the people of color who had to fight for the right to vote, and it hasn't been that long ago. Um, maybe to a lot of people it seems like it, but I'm still al I'm was alive at a time when people of color had difficulty voting, and yet we've now seen our first black president. So things will change, 
And my other thought is, going along with you talking about getting people to run, it's discouraging for somebody to want to run when they see voting rates of 6 and 5% in counties or even 16%. Uh, it's hard to get somebody excited about the effort and the money and everything they're going to have to do to run if they don't feel like people will get out and support them. So if you want good candidates, you're going to have to get out and vote and tell them, which your vote says, I care. I care about this country. I care about this democracy. Whether you love a candidate or not, just voting says, I'm willing to make an effort for this. And Michelle, I feel like right now, um, you know, looking to the younger people, people that are disagreeing with a lot of the things that we see in national and state politics, we're going to see more people running. And I think having more candidates on the ballot is going to get people more excited. Um, I lived in Chicago during what you mentioned, the, you know, Obama administration, and that is a very, very, very strong Democratic stronghold. There was not going to be much of a doubt but every time I woke up early, it was a freezing cold time going out there in you know early November to vote. I'd put on like two scarves, two coats, and go out to vote at the Logan Middle School that was across the street. And there was never anybody in line. I tried to go very early, but there was usually not anybody really there. And that morning of that presidential election, there was a line that went down three blocks. And my sister and I went together because she had, she had moved there by that time. And we just sat there with our eyes wide. We're like wow, people do actually show up if they have something that they are excited about. And I think a lot of the reason we see lower voter turnout is that a lot of people don't get excited about candidates. They don't feel representation. So I am speaking to anybody out there who kind of maybe feels that start finding out what it would take to run for office. I mean, these are these are public servants that care about the communities where they live I cannot fathom anything more difficult than having to go out and having to run an election. We see what it takes. We see the signs. We see the energy. Um, but until more people throw their name in the ring, um, we're probably not going to see a huge jump until you get those candidates where people can feel this person represents me. This person is speaking in a way that I understand and tracks with my experience. Um, I think as we move forward and as younger people go up, they get more fed up with not feeling represented. I think there is going to be a surge. And I really do hope um, that as we move forward in these next, you know, couple election cycles, we see a larger, um, you know, number of candidates on the ballot. Uh, I think there's one in California where there's 15 people running uh, in a primary right now. And it's like, oh, wow, we would love to see that. We've got a lot of unopposed candidates on ours right now. So it is a challenge. Um, but I think that not losing sight of what it means to be able to pick the leaders that you have. Even if you don't love both of the candidates, either of the candidates, maybe you don't have a choice. Showing up, voting shows that I'm present, I'm watching, and I'm going to be bothered enough to go, you know, spend about 20 minutes, you know, possibly driving across town and putting my vote in and being heard. Having choice in candidates and voter participation goes hand in hand in supporting democracy. Um, we can't have one without the other. And and we can, and I think that in that way, when uh, voter participation is down, we lose our influence in where we want to go with public policy. And what I mean by that is that a voter that 
feels as though they're not represented. If you care about uh, fresh water coming out of your tap in your home, um, voting matters. If you care about your school system and how your children are affected by that school system, um, your vote matters. If you care about health care for your family, your vote matters. And the, the list just goes on and on because it's, it's not really all personalities. It's the policies that we set together for our communities, our states, and our national government that we set together. So with, with having said that, Michelle, what would you recommend to someone if they would like to learn more about what's coming up after an election is over? Where might a person find some information on um, what the winner of our elections is going to be facing in terms of vote in the, in the state legislature or in our national um, Congress? There are lots of options for finding out what's going on. All of the, um, most of the legislators will have some sort of website or Facebook or Twitter or something where they talk about what they're doing. Uh, voters can, or anybody can go to uh, capital.gov and they can follow the bills. They can see how our representatives and our senators vote. In the U.S. Congress, they can go to capital.texas.gov and follow what our state legislature is doing. They can follow bills. They can see how people are voting. They can watch debates, uh, hearings, and so on, streaming. Uh, on a local level, uh, anyone can go to a county commissioner's meeting, city council meeting, school board meeting. The League has revived our Observer Corps, and we have members, volunteers, who go to these meetings. They have a very short form to fill out. It's one page, mostly check boxes. Uh, we're not there to try to catch somebody doing something wrong, but we are there making sure that our representatives are being transparent, they're doing the job they're supposed to be doing, and they're doing it appropriately. And if they aren't, there are some avenues that we can follow to talk to them and make sure they know what they need to be doing. Um, there are lots and lots of options for people who want to get involved. And circling back to the Observer Corps, this is, like you said, something that we have rekindled. It was, it was pretty, pretty strong uh, years ago and kind of fizzled out, and now it is back with a vengeance. We've got so many different folks that are showing up at the uh, Amarillo ISD school boards, the Canyon ISD school boards, as well as the Amarillo City Council, um, just to be present, just to witness, and then to bring that information back to the league. So not everyone who's a member of the league or anyone who's following the league needs to be physically there. Not everyone can you know, show up at three o'clock on a Tuesday. Um, but what's great is that the league is doing that work in advance and they are looking for volunteers to help out with Observer Corps. Um, so if you are someone who does have interest in you know, city council meetings, school board meetings, and just being there to witness what's going on in this community, the next one is gonna be February 12th, 5.30 p.m. is the Amarillo ISD School Board. And that same evening at 7 p.m., the Canyon ISD School Board. 
Uh, the next day at 3 p.m., the 13th, uh, that is Amarillo City Council. And then the next one is the City Council that's on February 27th at 3 p.m. And those are Tuesdays. So we have that information always listed on the voter on our uh, upcoming city meetings listing. But yeah, if you wanted to reach out, if you wanted to get involved as an observer, um, we are always looking for volunteers for that. You can reach out to uh, either Michelle and I. You can reach out directly to Jackie, uh, Jackie Payne, who's been handling that program, uh, you can send an email to amarillolwv at gmail.com or give us a call at 806-337-2148. And it's a pretty rewarding thing, Tanya, to sit in on these meetings and, you know, watch how the, you know, city is run. I mean, the taxpayer dollars go in here. You know, we don't necessarily know where that money goes. We just pay it. It just goes away. And then you get to watch, oh, this is what it's going to. These are the things that need repairs. These are the things that we're going to uh, be seeing as improvements um, or embellishments or, you know, things in our city. And then you can hear public comment. You can hear people, hey, you're not considering us when you're doing this project. Or, hey, we really appreciate you doing X um, because previous administrations hadn't really been paying attention. And it does make you feel like you're part of something, you know, really big and really important, being part of a community in this region. Would those um, meeting dates and times that you mentioned, will they be on the Emerald League of Women Voters uh, calendar that you mentioned earlier? That's right. They are always okay. going to be on The Voter. That's the name of our monthly newsletter. Uh, it comes out. You do not have to be a member. We sure encourage everyone to become a member. Um, and memberships are very affordable. We even have scholarships available for students. Um, but yes, you can just go to Amarillo's, uh, Amarillo League of Women Voters website and you can sign up for the newsletter right there on that page. That's alwv.clubexpress.com. Jenny, is there anything else that you can uh, think of that you would like to add here that I haven't known to ask the question? Well, I just want to throw this out there and um, also throw it back to Michelle. Um, I've always been really inspired by the League of Women Voters vision that we have for the Amarillo chapter. And it says, we envision a democracy where every person has the desire, the right, the knowledge, and the confidence uh, to participate. And I think that Michelle, since you and I came on as co-presidents, that's just really been resonating, um, knowing how much work goes into sharing the knowledge, putting those questions together for the voter's guide, for the candidates forums, uh, getting all of the cats herded, as it were, reaching out to everyone, uh, poking the bears that aren't responding quickly. And these are all volunteers. These are these are women and men who do this because they care about the outcomes and they care about the connections that we have to our local government. Um, but I just love the whole confidence to participate. That speaks directly to that high school program that our voter registration group has been doing. So I'd love to throw it back to Michelle um, as far as what's really lighting the fire underneath each of us, because we're new presidents and we came in after someone who had such an incredible handle on this, who was a judge, who was a lawyer, who was, you know, just really skilled. And then Michelle and I come in with this incredible board of really passionate people. Um, and we've seen a lot since we started last May. We've seen a lot of, you know, things just really catch fire. Absolutely. I agree with you, Jenny. Uh, one thing I am so impressed with with the league are the volunteers. These are people who uh, many of them still have jobs, but they still find time to come out and help. We're always looking for more members. We certainly need younger members 
we need to be able to reach the younger group. As Jenny mentioned, we have a scholarship program for students in high school or college. I also am encouraging high school students to uh, apply to be poll workers. Some of them don't know that they can do this. People can work the polls starting at 16. And for students, it's a great deal. On election day, it's an excused absence, and they get paid for it. So nothing better than missing school and getting paid for it. But they also understand how the process works. And I think that's a big part of making voters is helping them to understand how it works. So we encourage people to volunteer in whatever capacity volunteer with the league, volunteer at the polls, volunteer with a campaign, but getting involved helps you understand how it all works together and it helps you be more excited about the process. And Tanya, we we have all we have a whole lot of different resources available if you go to our website that's alwv.clubexpress.com and like Michelle mentioned, um, anybody that's curious and wants to just get the basics on what's going on with this election and, and the primary, vote411.org. Um, again, very user-friendly, gives you all those details. And then, of course, votetexas.gov if you want to um, take another deep dive. But we're always available. Um, Michelle and I are always available. If anybody has questions, wants to join, wants to volunteer, um, you could always reach out to us at amarillolwv at gmail.com. We check that uh, multiple times a day. And you know, I can't even tell you how many emails go through from the board. So the board at the local chapter here in Amarillo um, for the League of Women Voters, highly engaged, highly inspirational people that um, really just want to see this city work well for everyone. Thank you, Jenny. And thank you, Michelle, for joining me today. I have really enjoyed this conversation. And Jenny, would you read your quote again? And so we can just end on that note. Absolutely. It's the one that we used on the last issue of the monthly newsletter for the Amarillo League. It's called The Voter, and you can sign up anytime at our website. Uh, the quote was by Susan B. Anthony, someone struggled for your right to vote. Use it. So we just hope that we can get more people to join up. This is an election year. It's the perfect year to get involved with politics. And I tell you what, we, we also have a really good time. And a shout out to our listeners. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for listening to the Lone Star Deep Dive. This podcast has been made possible by members of the League of Women Voters of Amarillo, a nonpartisan, nonprofit, all volunteer voting rights advocacy network that works hard to secure democracy in the Texas panhandle. All are welcome to join today at alwv.clubexpress.com. This podcast is hosted by Tanya Kluskins and produced by Victoria Wilkinson. Our theme music was composed by Ryan Clark of Spirit of Space. Thanks for taking this deep dive with us, exploring issues and policies that impact our lives in the Lone Star State. Again, this has been the Lone Star Deep Dive podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And tell your friends. Thanks for listening.